0: This is Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lab, Friday, October 27th, 2023
1: edition. My name is Ryan Janky. I'm here with Corey Litton. I came in my uh, Halloween costume.
0: I got stuck in my driveway.
1: You really? came in in your Halloween costume. Yeah, a currently unemployed announcer.
0: Oh, sure. This yeah. Yeah, you know, my that, three weeks of off-season. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, <laughs> do you call it a vacation. Right. <laughs> yeah, I got stuck in my driveway this morning. That quarter inch of snow or whatever.
1: Well, I mean, you know, it's back. We we took the checkered flag on our local racing season, went instantly into winter. We so did, So it yeah. couldn't have been timed any better.
0: Yeah, that was too bad. So anyway, we got a lot going on today, including uh, NASCAR results. We've got some uh, uh, Dirt Track World Championship action going on. We had Formula One, and we've got an interview. That's right. As well. So let's get right after it. We had NASCAR. They were in Homestead on Sunday, October 22nd.
1: The name of the game was survival for the round of eight playoff contenders on Sunday. The race was red flagged with 55 laps remaining when Kyle Larson plowed into the dirt barrels at the end of the pit wall. That's, uh, I believe that's about the second time during a right around championship time that something has happened with those things, too, because <laughs> that, isn't that where Kurt Busch almost plowed into that thing, too? I think so, yeah. he had, a, he had that tire uh, come apart on him, like the whole yeah. rim came apart? I think so. And he won the championship that year interesting let's keep an eye on that that this moment right here but well, kyle larson yeah he just plowed into uh the uh pit into the pit wall there where all the dirt barrels were and uh the cleanup caused a red flag he also made contact with the back of the leader ryan blaney's car um larson was unable to continue but uh, Blaney was able to continue. Uh, playoff contenders Ryan Blaney and Denny Hamlin were battling hard for the in the top five. But with 33 laps to go, Hamlin's car made an abrupt right turn into the turn one wall, ending his day. He was blaming it on steering, and I wasn't believing a word of it until they showed the in-car where the wheel kind of actually did almost pretty much come oh, out of his hand. Yeah. Because it just – the thing turned abrupt right. Ouch. And uh, that ended his day. Under caution – His teammate and also playoff contender Martin uh, Truex Jr. experienced engine failure, ending his day. And that leads us to the final lap
0: here. All right, this is from NASCAR.com. It's one lap to go. Presented by Credit One Bank. Christopher Bell didn't run a green flag lap in the top five until lap 221. And now, after overcoming a slow pit stop. Christopher Bell goes down the back stretch, and he can see a shot at the championship. Christopher Bell off of turn four, and the 28-year-old is gonna lock himself into the championship four. He's won in Miami.
2: Okay.
1: You know, uh, the turn three camera operator needs a, uh, needs a raise because the, the look that was going on right at that moment when he was going down the back straight away, if you look at that replay again, Mm -hmm. um, and you you watch that, you can actually see the way the tires bend in, you know, under, under load really as they go in there. I I, noticed that I have to watch that again. I noticed that today when I was kind of rewatching everything to make sure that I, I knew what I was talking about. And, uh, uh, and I didn't believe that he's 28 years old because he still looks 13 to me. But yeah, Christopher Bell, <laughs> he uh, avenged his second place run in the previous week uh, out in Vegas by taking the lead with 15 laps to go and held off Ryan Blaney to win on Sunday for his second win of the year, six of his career, locking him into the championship four uh, the other playoff drivers. Tyler Reddick finished in third. William Byron finished in fourth. Chris Buescher finished in 21st. Martin Trix Jr. finished in 29th. Denny Hamlin in 30th, and Kyle Larson 34th. Non-contender Ross Chastain, your guy, he was involved in an incident and he finished in 31st. He caused it. non He did not. Yes, he did. He did not. Stage one ended like this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kyle Larson one, Brad Keselowski number two, Th- third was Ryan Blaney fourth, William Byron followed by Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon in ninth was Christopher Bell and Ty Gibbs finished in tenth for stage one. Stage two, Ryan Blaney was finished that one in first, then was William Byron, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski was fifth. Martin Truex Jr. 6th, Tyler Reddick, Ty Gibbs, Austin Dillon, and Joey Logano rounded out the top 10. That again for stage number 2. And then for the finish, of course, Christopher Bell was 1st, Ryan Blaney 2nd, Tyler Reddick 3rd, William Byron fourth, fifth was A.J. Allmendinger, Bubba Wallace in sixth, seventh Ty Gibbs, Joey Logano eighth, Eric Almirola ninth, and Austin Dillon rounded out the top ten. How are the points shaken out?
1: Well, Christopher Bell is the point leader along with Kyle Larson. They are both locked into the championship four. William Byron is sitting 30 points up above the cut line. And uh, all the uh, incidents that happened out there really helped out Ryan Blaney, who went from seventh up to fourth Ooh. with ten points on the good side. Uh, Behind him in the fifth spot, Tyler Reddick is 10 points back. Martin Truex Jr., 17 points back. Seventh, Denny Hamlin. Who is also 17 points back, and Chris Busher sitting 43 points out, and he needs a miracle.
0: All right, ratings: NBC drew a 1.3 share with 2.25 million viewers. That's down a few thousand from last year. Not considering it went up against the NASCAR, or the, excuse me, the NFL, and always popular Coda F1
1: race. Which, by the way, the stands look packed during that Coda race, too. Uh-huh. Uh, next up will be Sunday, October 29th, Martinsville Speedway, 1 p.m.-ish on NBC. Uh, the betting lines for the round of eight look like this. Denny Hamlin is the favorite going into one of his home tracks. He's uh, he's from that area. So he's sitting at a plus 300. Kyle Larson is a plus 650, even though he's really not been that good out, out there, especially mm-hmm. in the new car. Uh, William Byron is sitting at a plus 750. Martin Truex Jr. plus 850, Ryan Blaney plus 900, Tyler Reddick plus 1300, Christopher Bell plus 1800, and Chris Busher plus 2200. So that just, he's the long shot of the playoff eight right now for for the win in this one. The long shots <laughs> in this one, uh, Ty Dillon, Ryan Newman, BJ McLeod are ni- or plus 90,000 on the betting line, and uh, JJ Yaley plus 100,000 to win. On Sunday. So if you're looking to make a quick buck, make a long shot
0: bet. Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine putting twenty bucks down on on uh,
1: Ryan Newman and having him win that race? I mean, it's a great story altogether if he gets a win at this point. <laughs> Not, I mean, along with you know somebody bet on him. No way. I mean, that would pretty pretty much wipe out everybody that bet elsewhere. Well, you,
0: twenty bucks at plus ninety grand, ninety thousand. Yeah. You're doing pretty well. Yeah, you're going to do okay for yourself. Yeah. So uh, there it was, NASCAR. We also had some World of Outlaw action uh, Friday, October 20th, and Saturday, the 21st, the final
1: stampede at Devil's Bowl Speedway in Mesquite, Texas. We talked a lot last week about this being the final races at the famed uh, Bowl, or Devil's Bowl Speedway in Mesquite, Texas. Friday night's edition had Carson Macedo, who used the big screen to be the winner. He actually claimed that he was looking up at the big screen while running down the front straightaway. (laughs) (laughs) And that helped him figure out where to run (laughs) as opposed to where everybody else was Uh, on the final night of the second last night of the final return to uh, the birthplace of the outlaws. David Gravel finished in the second spot. Brad Sweet finished in third, bringing that point gap between Sweet and Gravel to 64 points. Shots finished in the ninth position. Donnie uh, mm-hmm. uh, and he did a little bit better on Saturday because it was a crazy night. Uh, it was an interesting start to the night in the final race at the Devil's Bowl, a lap three, a lap three restart. Point leader Brad Sweet hopped the left front uh, uh, wheel of his team owner, Casey Kane, causing Sweet to roll and several cars to pile up in the front straightaway. Sweet's team was able to make repairs, even though he was stuck on the wall or uh, upside down for a little while during the open <laughs> red. Uh, they, they got him to the work area, and he was able to restart in 20th. Five laps later, the caution came come out again when Sweet shredded a left rear tire, sending him back to the pits. The crew once again got him back out on time to make the restart. On that restart, Carson Macedo got together with Sheldon Hoddenshield causing another multi-car melee before the field could make it out of turn number four. This and a few other caution flags allowed Sweet to make his way back up into the top 10. So, you know, really rallying back here. Uh, James McFadden, he led the entire race. Well, most of it. Uh, McFadden closed in on traffic. David Gravel threw him over his shoulder and stole the win at the line by .015 Woo! at the line. 15 thousandths of a second at the line with Donnie Schatz rounding out the top three just narrowly right behind them. Brad Sweet would rebound to finish in the seventh position. How are the points? Well, Brad Sweet is your point leader and uh, is sitting in second. David Gravel was able to chop away and a few more points out there. It's now a 50-point lead going into the last four races of the year. Carson Macedo is in third, 140 points back. Then in fourth, it is Gio Selzy, 452 points back. In fifth, Logan at 486 points back. And Donnie Shots is sitting in sixth, 506 points back. Next up, uh, they're going to have the weekend off, so they're going to be going Wednesday, November 1st through Saturday, November 4th, the World of Outlaws World Finals at the Dirt Track at Charlotte Uh, In Concord, North Carolina.
0: Sweet. All right. Sunday, October the 22nd, Dirt Track World Championship at Eldora Speedway
1: in Rossburg, Ohio. Tell us what happened. Well, you know, uh, just kind of leading into this, though, I got to just kind of mention, we haven't really talked much about the Lucas Oil Series for the late models, which is, you know, a competitor to the World of Outlaws, pretty much an equal. Um and uh, it's one of the top levels of of dirt late model racing here in the uh, in the in the country, but uh, we're going to talk about this one because this is an interesting one. Uh, the weather played havoc all weekend at Eldora, which contributed to a rough uh, to rough track conditions and provided plenty of drama in the race to determine the champion for the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. The series' most successful driver, Ricky Thornton Jr., came into the weekend with twenty three wins on the year, which was sixteen Man. more. And more than 500 points more than his closest competitor in the championship. Four
0: got to get bored at some point.
1: Um, well, no, not him. <laughs> he <laughs> he is very very stingy with his wins. He likes to get all of them, um, and he's one of the most talented drivers I've ever had the chance to see in person too. So uh, he's going to keep on winning while he can keep on winning. But uh, trouble would catch Thornton on lap number eight when the con- when contact would lead to a broken right front wheel. The crew was able to make compare er, make repairs but Thornton would be several laps down. Trouble would strike another one of the championship contenders with 65 laps to go. By the way, this is a 100-lap race. Mm -hmm. I've cut at least 1,000 words out of this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to just kind of keep... There's a lot more going on in this than what I'm actually going to report on here. But uh, Hudson O'Neill, he would slow the right rear tire going down. O'Neill's crew would get him back out and on the lead lap. Brandon Shepard would take the race lead with 40 laps to go, making him the eighth different leader of the event. And uh, this was just past halfway. Jonathan Davenport also took the he took the point lead with a pass with uh, 21 laps to go, but he would experience engine problems less than a lap later, and he ended up dropping out. As Shepard would continue to lead, Hudson O'Neill and Devin Moran battled for the top spot in the championship until Caution would come out with three to go, when Ricky Thornton Jr.'s car gave up on him and ended his night over in turn number two. That set up a three-lap dash to determine the champion of the Lucas Oil uh, late, late Model Dirt Series. Shepard would take off as Devin Moran made it up to second. O'Neill threw a slider on Moran in the last set of corners just as Shepard, the leader, was running out of gas and barely held on for the win over O'Neill by just 84 thousandths of a second. Shepard won the dirt track world championship race for the 5th time in his career and O'Neill, with that second place finish in the last corner pass that he made when his first ever Lucas Oil Dirt uh, Late Model Dirt Series championship and that was a fantastic it was it was a crazy race I mean uh, they're hopping around they're bahaing through a lot of the holes like I said the weather did not help at yeah. all uh, out there so you can't really blame the track or the track prep or anything like that for uh, or even Tony Stewart, since he owns it. Um, you can still blame Ross Chastain. No, I'm fine with it. No, you can't, <laughs> even though he has nothing to do with it. Uh, but yeah, he. Uh, it was. It was. You know, one of those races where you just couldn't believe the drama. There were people coming from the back to the front, nonstop, throughout that whole thing. And then all of a sudden, their car would die on them, and it, or or someone else would get them. It, sure. it was just. It was. It was one of those things where. I haven't seen that kind of craziness since the Monday Night Wars in, in uh, professional wrestling. <laughs> it was uh, it was really interesting.
0: That's good times. All right, we've got Mike Speaker on the line. Mike is back. He's joining us because he did some photography over the weekend and caught some, uh, I guess you'd call them the photo finishes, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sweet. Mike Speaker, welcome back to Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. You know, this is quite the uh, the trip, okay? So, I mean, we just we just talked about uh, the the World of Outlaws out there at Devil's Bowl in uh, Mesquite, Texas, and the uh, Dirt Track World Championship at Ro- Eldora in Rossburg, Ohio. I mean, and you made it to both of those. First off, are you insane?
2: Yes. Uh, maybe stupid, I <laughs> might say. Actually, a lot have said that we're stupid, but it was a fun trip. Uh, me and my buddy Josh Johnson, I'm a spur car driver, uh we kind of made the plan to go down to devil's bowl it was about a month ago and then i would say about two weeks ago uh they announced that this was going to be the final weekend ever at devil's bowl speedway and devil's bowl being the, the birthplace of the world of all our sprint cars uh 50 years of racing there there's just a lot of history so we definitely uh secured our plans to to head down there last weekend and um i mean that alone would have been a trip in itself but then being the the crazies that we are, we saw that Eldora Speedway rained out. I think it was three nights in a row, two or three nights in a row. So they had to do a Sunday afternoon makeup, and we're like, we can we can make it, we can make it. So <laughs> after Devil's Bowl, we we drove overnight and ended up hitting hitting Eldora, quote unquote, on the way home, and uh, yeah, just made a whole weekend out of it.
1: So you know, going back to the Devil's Bowl uh, there, in Mesquite, Texas. Um, you've been there. This is the only time you've been there, right? Yep. Yep. So talk about that racetrack. What's it like? Cause I hear it's really unique.
2: It is. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's unique in that it's a half mile and there really aren't many half mile, uh, half mile dirt tracks left in the country. Um, so it's, it's a half mile. The uh, configuration has been the same since it was built in, I think like 1972. Uh, but the most unique part is that there's an elevation change on the back straightaway, and you can actually see it there in person. Um, the back straightaway is actually 15 feet higher than uh, the front straightaway, so about a full story higher than the front stretch. And they did that because back in the day, um, the rigs would used to park in the infield, and uh, Lanny Edwards, the the track owner at the time, he wanted the the fans to be able to see the the cars on the back stretch, so to see them over the haulers. So um coming off of turn 2 like you can see like there's a pretty I mean I'm not going to call it steep but you can you can visibly see it uh an incline going down the back straightaway and then it just falls off going into turn 3 and gets even lower coming off of turn 4 it's pretty crazy
1: So in so where were you where, where were you were you set up throughout most of the uh the uh event when you got out there cuz obviously you came down there and you're a photographer along with being a race fan so you just you kinda you, you gotta set up for a spot. Where where do you go in a situation like this where you've never been to this place before?
2: Well, never being there and knowing it was the last week and I, I hit every angle I could. Um outside of the track and all four corners, inside of the track and all four corners. You just try to capture every angle I did, kinda, you know, took pictures of the pit area and the concessions and just kinda, you know, take it all in the parking lot and everything. Um but I'd say probably my favorite spot to shoot was probably off a of turn two. Uh, the track track was pretty heavy for, for the whole weekend, but it seemed like turn two would flick off the, the quickest and there'd be the most action coming off there. Plus there was that elevation change. And, um, if guys were already out of shape coming out of the corner and then they hit that elevation change, the, the backstretch wall came up pretty quick for them. So I, I feel like that was probably the most exciting part of the track.
1: Okay. So, um, and, and now, uh, along with this, I mean, you kind of have some ties to a lot of the people up in the world of Outlaws sprint car series, don't you? Uh, a couple a couple of them, so uh you you got to uh you got to basically write this off as a work trip, didn't you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, we, we counted a few miles uh, that we can write off at the end of the year.
1: <laughs> so uh, it, you know it's got to feel pretty cool though I mean you get you get the chance to take photos for specific drivers, like uh, can we name them? Sure, okay, uh, go, go ahead and name uh, name your uh, drivers that you get to take photos for.
2: Well, just at Devil's Bowl I was I was shooting for, for Donnie shots. Um we do a lot of stuff for uh, drivers here locally, DOSA drivers and uh, NLRA late model guys and fortunate to work with a lot of great teams. But yeah, we were down there shooting for, for Donnie last night or last weekend and I guess kinda my thought with that was just trying to encapsulate the weekend for him because he's been racing there since nineteen ninety five and one of the longest tenured sprint car drivers currently and so just trying to being at this, there's so much history at the track. Just trying to bottle all that up and you know and and uh, document it. I guess even put a GoPro on on his car. And Donnie's not too keen about having GoPros on the car, but we put one on for this weekend just to kind of you know what we have Donnie shots racing around Devil's Bowl Speedway from his point of view. I think that's that's cool to look at now, and even 10, 15 years down the road, it's, it's going to be kind of cool to look back on.
1: Yeah, that is pretty awesome. That's a smart move on your part there to bring that with. Uh, uh, so. Now kinda of going into the racing out there, when you on the last race we, we went through it pretty uh, thoroughly here, but um when they're when the cars are wrecking like they were wrecking, uh, what kind of goes through your mind as a photographer? Um, like is this race ever gonna end? <laughs> is it something like that? <laughs> or 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 uh, were you at least in the right spots to get a lot of the shots from that?
2: Uh actually no, not really. Just Eldora's a really tough place to shoot, um, just from like a photographer's standpoint. They have the I don't know. It's probably a 15 foot, uh, catch fence, chain link fence in the infield. Um, so that like devil's bowl was wide open. You can walk around and shoot anywhere, but with that catch fence in the infield, there's maybe, I don't know, maybe 10, I call them windows, like little gates. You can open in the infield and shoot through it. Well, there was like 30 photographers there. So it was really hard to, to, to get a spot to shoot, but I, I did find a spot coming kind of coming off of turn two down the back straightaway for the feature. And uh, I, I caught some passes for the lead and some stuff, but as far as like the wrecks and guys getting up on two wheels and late model wheelies and all that stuff that was happening in the corners. And um, from a photographer's point of view, you want to catch that. You want to get that wild stuff. Um, but at the same time, that's not necessarily where a lot of passing was. So I kind of, I don't know, hunkered down and turned two and caught the passes for the lead and the slide jobs coming off the corner and, and all that stuff.
0: Say Mike, you, uh... Mike Speakers, our guest here Checkers and Rutgers Victory Lap. Uh, is that is a lot of that just pure luck? I mean, when you're out there at the track and there's cars strung all the way around the track, y- your head's got to be on a swivel, I would imagine. Do you just kind of say, this is where I'm camping out? Or do you try to get a, a pulse of what's going on? Or h- how do you what kind of strategy do you use to, to make sure that you put yourself in the best position to get the best shots you can get?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm basically always looking to see what's, what's happening. Like, <laughs> It's funny. I'll get home from the races or something. And my wife will be like, well, how was the races? Who won? And it's like hard to recall because you're not really watching the races. You're just trying to watch what might be happening or trying to, I don't know, forecast or predict like who's going to wreck where, or who's going to pass who and, and stuff like that. Like, Try to keep my eyes on the top five, but if the truck is, or if the track gets kind of rough, like it was at Eldora, you're always looking, you know, just to see if you might catch something. Um, uh, actually, the World of Outlaws All- at Grand Forks back in August come to mind. I was sitting in turn two, uh, taking pictures of the B Main, and just just by habit, I'm always looking at what's going on. And I look over my shoulder and I see Mark Dobmeyer like 20 feet in the air because he he jumped a right rear tire and flipped off to the end of the track and just happened to. You know, scanning the racetrack and, and looking for that, I, I caught it and whipped around, and I didn't get the best picture, but I, you know, I caught a caught a couple of shots of that big wreck. So, just trying to always, you know, see what's going on and gauging what's happening out there.
1: So the end of the the race at the the last race at the Devil's Bowl, um, it came down to a, a photo finish, and uh, so obviously, I mean, you you know how many laps are are left in the race. You've you've been at this long enough to where. You just kind of set up for that, that victory lane shot or the, the victory shot, I guess. Uh, and uh, did you could you see from the infield how close that was going to be?
2: Um, I mean, you could kind of see the previous two laps. Gravel was kind of getting a run on the outside and, and catching McFadden. Then on the last lap, you saw lap traffic was going to play a factor, and the lap traffic was right in McFadden's line. So you knew something might happen. So I just kind of ran over to the front straightaway, and, you know, there again, there was a bunch of photographers there. There always is for these national series events, but you just kind of find your spot, and, yeah, I mean, my camera, it'll take 14 frames a second, so when they come down the front straightaway, you just hold the trigger down and, and hope that you catch them right at the checkers. That's, that's basically what I did there, but um, you could kind of feel something brewing that, that gravel is going to get around there at the end.
1: And you got a great shot of that one, too. And then, then uh, the very next night, you just – You know, haul tail over to Rossburg, Ohio from Mesquite, Texas. How long a drive is that, by the way?
2: Uh, That was 14 hours.
1: 14 hours. (laughs) The crazy
2: part is, (laughs) so that World of Outlaw Sprint Car event at Devil's Bowl, that was like, that race took like an hour and a half for 30 laps. It was probably one of the longest races that uh, Outlaw Sprint Car shows that I've ever seen. And me and Josh are looking at our watch like, oh man, like, let's go. We got to get to Eldora. Like this, this race is going to make us late for Eldora. <laughs> it's kind of crazy that a race in Texas, we were worried about trying to make a, a race in Ohio, but yeah, I mean, if it would have been a normal sprint car show, it probably would have been 15, 20 minutes and we would have been right on time, but we were a little bit late. We missed two heat races, uh, at Eldora because, <laughs> well, one, because of the time change without the time change to, to Eastern time, we would have been fine, but. Um, yeah, we drove straight through, we fueled up, I fueled up and Josh bought the drinks. And <laughs> if we had to switch, we pulled over on the side and just <laughs> did a quick, uh, quick flip. And yeah, we there was, there was no messing
1: around. And the good thing about Josh Johnson, having a co-pilot, especially like Josh Johnson is he, uh, if being, you know, with, if being on a few trips with him, he knows how to, uh, uh, how to rest up and be ready for the rest of the trip too. When it's his turn <laughs> to drive. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we, uh, you, go in, you go to uh, Eldora. Did you have a feeling that it would come down? I mean, in your mind, you, did you even think at one point, how great would it be if we had another photo finish at the end of this one?
2: No, I didn't even know. I was just, to me, going into it, that Ricky Thornton Jr., I think he had like 23 Lucas Oil wins on the year. Correct. Like, to me, it just felt like, like it's – I don't know. I'm a fan of Ricky, but it just seemed like it wasn't going to happen. It would have been too perfect. Like he in a normal um, you know, points points event or however you want to say it, a normal season championship, he would have had that thing locked up a couple weeks ago, but being the best driver all year long, having one of the best seasons in dirt late model history, it just seemed like it would have been too perfect if he would have won that championship. So, I was kind of scared scared for him of that and it came true on like lap 6 or 8, he he broke the right front and and that was pretty much the end of his night, but, um, that race was just crazy. I mean, Brandon Shepard was in the, was in the work area. Uh, Hudson O'Neill, I'm pretty sure was in the work area. Devin Moran was like anywhere from like 12th to 13th, uh, up to eighth. Like he was never really a player. But then all of a sudden, all those guys that were in the work area, all those guys that had trouble, they were just right up there at the front. And it was just crazy. And, um, For Shepard to be running out of gas like that and still win it, like it was just a crazy, crazy ending.
1: Yeah, that's uh, watching it back again this morning, uh, just before I came in, just so that I knew what I was talking about. Uh, Yeah, it was. uh, I I think I wrote about a thousand word uh, essay on this one just for the recap um, alone, and and I cut out a lot. I mean, there are people going from the tail end to the front end. Uh, and it was just a wild and crazy race. Does that rank up there in one of the races that's probably the most memorable in your life?
2: Uh, I guess I haven't even really thought about it, but yeah. I mean, just everything at stake. The the Dirt Track World Championship, 100 grand to win feature, uh, the 200,000 to win Lucasolo Championship, and just just how crazy it was. Seeing Freddie Carpenter drive from 17th to take the lead, um, and he's just a regional guy. Like he, He's well-documented, just a regional guy, and uh, for him to come up there through the field on a half mile and pass all those guys that was i mean everything there were so many storylines through it
1: so mike you know we've we've talked many times with you about as many of the different hats that you wear in this one but we're we're doing the photographer hat on this one uh what's what are some plugs that you'd like to get out here before we uh wrap this one up here
2: um yeah just check out uh my social media at speedway shots on facebook and instagram And SpeedwayShots.com. It's kind of getting to be that Christmas season time, and we do a lot of cool stuff for custom racing gifts for for the racer and your family or sponsor thank yous. Uh, We got a lot of cool stuff, so uh, check that out at SpeedwayShots.com.
1: All right. Well, Mike, thank you for taking some time with us here today, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you another time.
2: Sounds good. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Thanks, Mike.
2: Yep. Thanks, guys.
1: All right,
0: Mike Speaker, that was uh, that was fun. It, yeah. <laughs> busy weekend. <laughs> I almost had the chance
1: to go on that trip, and I'm kind of kicking myself for it, but I had a lot of stuff I had to get yeah. done uh, around home, and I still got to watch some of it. So. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's good times.
0: All right, moving on to local news. Friday, October 20th and Saturday, the 21st, they went topless. That's right. We took the tops off <laughs> of the cars. <laughs> topless uh. <laughs> Nationals, uh, Ogilvy Raceway in Ogilvy, Minnesota.
1: Pretty much the, the the last race of the dirt racing season happened out there. The The big winners of the final dirt race of our local season were Pat Doerr in the late models, Jeremy Nelson in the modifieds, Mason Siebert in the micro wing sprints, Tommy Bodden in the Mod 4s. David Swergan in the uh, Midwest Modifieds. Tim Johnson, the Sasquatch, won in the Street Stocks. Matthew Dittman won in the Hornets. And Brandon Doolman won in the Super Stocks.
0: All right. Dave Darland. Called it a career. Called it a career.
1: That's right, and he still went out in a pretty good fashion out there on Friday down in Kokomo. Get it? Yep. Down, I got, right, right I got you. I got you. Kokomo, Indiana. The people's champ, Dave Darlin, posted a seventh place finish and closed the book on a historic USAC career. Just before the final night, on his Facebook page, they had this one post uh, where they're talking about you know where he kind of ranked in his uh, in his career out there. He ranks first in USAC national sprint wins with 62. 11th in in USAC National Midget wins with 30, 6th in USAC Silver, National Silver Crown wins with 14, and he didn't do that full time. That's the that's the best part. Uh with those last two. Uh 4th in in National win all-time National wins, 5th in all-time overall USAC wins with 115. By the way, he's on a list with like AJ Foyt. Yeah. So, to put that into perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, congrats on a great career there, uh, uh, Dave, Darlin, and enjoy that well earned retirement.
0: Yes, congratulations. Had a, a fantastic run. That's awesome. Uh, there was a an acquisition that happened as well this week.
1: This is a big shakeup here in the uh, sprint car scene because announced on Monday, October twenty third, the High Limit Sprint Car Series owned by Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson they have taken over ownership of the All Star Circuit of Champions from Tony Stewart. And Tony Tony Stewart's had that since 2015, and and he's uh, done a re- really good job. He turned that regional series into a, a very competitive national product. Mm. Kind of uh, not quite on the same level as World of Outlaws, but the High Limit Sprint Car Series have kind of they've they've had a lot of success this year. So the combination of both. The uh, cars and stars of the uh, All Stars and the and the High Limit Sprint Car Series—that's really going to be a big deal. This—they're going to be—they're going to be big players this season. So uh, I'm I'm going to see this be a, probably a big boom year for Sprint Car Racing. Sweet. All right.
0: We also had some Formula One action uh, Sunday, October the 22nd,
1: United States Grand Prix, Coda, in Austin, Texas, at the Circuit of Americas. Uh, Max Verstappen, uh, he. Continued on his uh, victory parade. (laughs) I guess you could call it because he he took the lead in lap 39. So he let somebody have some fun up front. Uh, (laughs) That was out of 56. So it was was past halfway. He let other people, you know, play around for once. Uh, He started in sixth and uh, again, yeah, he took the lead in lap 39 in Austin to score his 15th win of the year. Only 15. (laughs) Only 15th (laughs) win of the year. His 50th of his young career. Lando Calrissian Norris, oh, that's not his middle name. Uh, <laughs> that might be. Oh, that's a Star we, Wars reference. Do we know that for sure? That that's not. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't looked, so I, I could be right or wrong. Uh, he was only ten point seven three seconds behind in second. Carlos Sainz was only fifteen point one three four seconds back in third. Lewis Hamilton crossed the line in second, but he was disqualified due to a skid block infraction. Skid blocks are underneath the cars. And they are a way to make sure that the whole bottom of the car doesn't sit too low. Mm-hmm. That is uh, the rule that I, the way I read it. Um, and these skid blocks were worn out too much. So uh, that was the infraction. Also dinged with that infraction was the sixth place finisher of Charles Leclerc. And uh, that's not mm. as easy to say. <laughs> as easy to, uh, luckily, my mouth got dry right there just before you said <laughs> it. and kind of made it easier. <laughs> uh, in for in the points, Max Verstappen has four hundred and sixty six points. Um, I think if you stopped right now, um, he well he'd definitely win. If you stopped giving points to him, if you cut his points in half, it would still be a good fight for the end of the year. Because mm-hmm. Sergio Perez, <laughs> his point his, his partner, his teammate is sitting in second, two hundred uh, and forty points. Then Lewis Hamilton still even after the infraction, sitting in third with two hundred and one points. And what's next for them? That'll be Sunday, October 29th. That's this weekend at Mexico City. All right, that's going to do
0: it for this episode of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. Again, you can find us anywhere you find your podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, and, of course, you can go to kfgo.com or the KFGO app and find us there. For Corey Litton, I'm Ryan Janke. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap.